airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so very much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Um, we have a sobering show that we want to do today. And so um, I want to approach the content that we want to discuss with um, sobriety. And so I may not make as many jokes as I make normally, right? So that's not to, you know, dry out the show, but just to be sober about what we want to discuss, something that the Lord um, began impressing on my heart um, over the weekend. And so I, you know, wanted to just not, you know, (laughs) drag it out. right? So so let's do it today. Let's talk about it today. Before we do that, Mm -hmm. um, I want to set Will the Great up to talk about the pre-born campaign, but I want to do that with this headline. Over 42.6 million abortions conducted in 2020, uh, surpassing world's leadest causes. Uh, I'm sorry, surpassing world's leading causes of death. Mm. Over 42 million abortions occurred in 2020. Over 42 million abortions occurred in 2020, far surpassing the total, the totals of people who perished as a result of the world's leading causes of death 42.6 million abortions so 42.6 million innocent lives taken yeah yeah in 2020 and this is in the midst of a pandemic wow isn't that amazing man that's that's crazy Mm -hmm. well you know we can do something we have the pre-born uh 2021 campaign uh and and you know it's a ministry called pre-born and american family uh, radio are asking you to partner with Mm -hmm. us to help moms choose life uh pre-born works with hundreds of Christian pregnancy centers across the country providing life-saving services such as ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ministry of Preborn is direct uh, in direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, that's and, important. Yeah, and the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the U.S. And that's a major, major thing because yeah. once, you know, uh, a mom will see a, a baby, there's a high percentage that she will not abort that mm-hmm. child, you know. Uh, preborn centers have uh, counseled over 385,000 women considering abortion that's a that's a lot it can be wow. much more uh, mm-hmm. more than 150,000 babies uh, lives have been saved and more than 49,000 women have surrendered their lives to Christ and I think that's and that's the thing too that it's a it's a witnessing uh, uh, aspect to it as well presenting the gospel that's you right. know that people would would uh, see you know their sin and and turn to the living God you know that mm-hmm. that's a ultimate uh, a win that's know, right. Uh, when you think about it. Uh, and so what we're asking is your gift of $28 provides one woman seeking an abortion a free ultrasound, uh, giving the mom mm. the opportunity to choose life for her baby. $140 provides uh, five free ultrasound sessions reaching five women with a message of life. And mm-hmm. perhaps you could uh, sponsor five ultrasounds. And our goal is to help uh, save 3000 Babies, I think we could do more mm. than that. Please yeah, con- we should. <laughs> please consider any gift 
any size gift. It, it makes a difference. And so you can call uh, uh, 877-616-2396. That's uh, 877-616-2396 or donate online at AFR.net. Mm-hmm. AFR.net, a- AFR.net. Let me mention this. 100% of your donation will go directly uh, to the pregnancy centers providing the ultrasounds. That's refreshing. Yes. <laughs> That's refreshing. Yes. All right. Um, we'll be talking more about this um, throughout the week. So I hope that you'll bear with us as we um, continue to participate in an important work that we have as believers um, to, to really live for the glory of God, which includes what our brothers and sisters did who lived before us being mm. actively involved um, in showing a dead and dying world what it looks like to have been redeemed. Right. That's 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 part Amen. of the reason that we do this. Yes, Amen. we are saving innocent lives. Mm-hmm. And by extension, we are also showing a world, a desperately needy world. Yes. What it looks like to be redeemed by the Lord Most High. Amen. Like that's that's important. Right. Um, all right. So today's show is um, Brace for Impact. Mm. Brace for Impact. And I was thinking about this over the weekend and looking at some of the things that were unfolding. And I was thinking about how, you know, when you are maybe in a a driving situation or there's a plane situation or wherever it is where there's going to be sudden possible trauma to your body. Mm. Okay. (laughs) You are instructed brace for impact, or Mm. maybe you are the one doing the instructing and you're saying brace for impact. Right. And um, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the body of Christ. You know, that's what we care most about. All right. Um, Without apology. Right. The body of Christ must now in America, in 21st century America, must now brace for impact. Now, when you brace for impact, it does not mean that you stop the force. Right. Mm. It doesn't mean that, oh, we're going to brace and that it's not going to happen. It means that you are less injured because you have braced yourself for it. You have prepared for that sudden impact. It doesn't mean that you're injury less. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean that you get. (laughs) But it means that you're less injured because you prepare your body for what could be a sudden shock or trauma, right? So you you sustain um, less injury that way. So what I'm saying to the body of Christ is that we have got to brace for impact because one of the things that came to my mind, and I I began looking at this and going back over some of the articles that we had um, covered in the past Mm -hmm. and where we thought that we would go in our country, and we were looking at this, and how this might affect the body of Christ across different states as different states were making incremental shifts, what this might look like once it all culminates and sort of like being reflected in the country. Yeah. Well, we're here and it seems pretty quick that we've gotten here, but we are here. And so let me tell you where I think we are. And again, this is so that the body of Christ not will not be alarmed, but this is so that the body of Christ will be stirred and braced for impact. And we'll talk about what that looks like. All right. And and some of it we've already alluded to. Look, some of it we allude to every show. <laughs> right. Right. OK, every show we're talking about how yeah. the body of Christ holds the line and how we prepare for the onslaught of the culture. Right. A culture that largely reflects a hatred of God. Yeah. All right. We talk about this all the time. So some of it's going to be repeat. Much of it will be. But here we go. Bracing for impact. Why? Because this is what is happening right now. The punishing of the wicked has begun. Mm. Now, (laughs) you're going to have to do a mental shift here. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Okay? Because you immediately wanted to go to the actual wicked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I want (laughs) to draw your... Okay? That's not what we're talking about. Right. 
I want to draw your attention to what began in 2017 as almost an inversion of the kingdom of God. Now, there is no such thing as an inverted kingdom, right? Because when you invert something, you are turning it upside down, putting it in an opposite position, you're rearranging it. And so for the kingdom of God, if you do that, you don't have the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay, so we know it's just like it's like our brother Paul told the Galatians, there's no other gospel. There's not another gospel, That's right. right? And so there's not... There's not a different type of kingdom of God. There are different types of kingdoms. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's not a different kingdom of God. However, what the truly wicked are doing is they are stealing from the kingdom of God, right? To operate in opposition to God. And they're stealing terminology that the church would be very familiar with. Okay. And they are turning it upside down. They are inverting it. So it is an upside down kingdom that we are watching manifest in real time. People, I'm going to make my case for you. I'm going to lay it out in real time. All right. Many, many people are going to be duped because they're going to start fighting in the flesh. Now there, look, we have rights in this country. So there is some fighting that will happen, right? But that's not going to be the way you win. Right. That's not that's not going to be a part of the brace for impact. Right. It's the shoring up of the body of Christ. It is determining who's the we in this scenario. Who's the us? Mm-hmm. Where do we find our strength and our solidarity? That's good. Those are going to be the big questions in the moment that we're in right now. All right. So here we go. The punishing of the wicked has begun. What do I mean when I say that? I want to take you back to 2017 In 2017. You'll remember a man by the name of Tim Gill. Remember Mm -hmm. this name? Tim Gill. He is this incredibly wealthy um, LGBTQ plus activist, right? And there was an article that uh, ran in Rolling Stone back in June of 2017. And in this article, Tim Gill talked about Uh, the major gains that they wanted to make in all 50 states as it pertained to gay marriage. Okay. Their, their words, I'm going to quote, let me read this. This is from the Washington times. This is in July of 2017 where they refer to that Rolling Stone article. All right. And this will all make sense as we walk through it together. Here we go. Uh, The Washington times 2017, Mm -hmm. the mega donor bankrolling the LGBT movement and its allies in the democratic party says he will continue to, quote, punish the wicked who hold traditional views about sexual morality. (laughs) Despite the legalization of this, I'm reading this article for you, of gay marriage in all 50 states, tech millionaire Tim Gill said he is not satisfied with the movement's progress. He plans to use his immense wealth, corporate influence, and political network to target red states with laws protecting religious people, who disagree with the LGBT movement's worldview. Mm. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. When you say worldview, that's all. That's, that's how we see everything, all right? So you disagree with one aspect of it, you're an enemy, all right? So it's disagreement with our worldview, according to Tim Gill. Here's a quote. We're going into the hardest states in the country, end quote, Mr. Gill said, according to an interview published by Rolling Stone, um, June 23rd. And watch this. Quote, we're going to punish the wicked. We're going to punish the wicked. This article continues. The Rolling Stone article recounts a May 2016 meeting in Manhattan attended by, watch this, Mr. Gill 
and other prominent gay rights donors and then Vice President Joe Biden. Hmm. Well, at the time, Mr. Gill said he was focused on defeating then North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory, a Republican in his reelection bid. Mr. McCrory had signed a state law regulating public restrooms, locker rooms and other intimate facilities on the basis of biological sex. Opponents to the legislation said it discriminated against transgender people. The strategy in North Carolina mirrored the one employed in Georgia. Companies ranging from PayPal to the National Basketball Association pulled commerce out of the state to pressure lawmakers into repealing the bathroom bill. Now, you might be looking at this and saying, Miki, are you tone deaf? You might be saying, Miki, this is <laughs> this is not. No, no. What what I am showing you is a strategy that has long been revealed mm-hmm. that we will punish those who disagree with us. It's not that we will tolerate them. It is not that we want them to like us. No, we will punish those who disagree with us. And so right now, what has already begun Mm -hmm. is the manifestation of that punishment. Right. Now, I was reading this article from the Daily Signal, the Daily Signal written by uh, Jared Stepman. I listen to Jared Stepman from time to time on a podcast called The Right Side of History. It's very interesting. If you're into that type of thing, you might want to check that out. The man's name is Jared Stepman. Um, here, here's an article I was reading, and I thought, wow, you know, here, here, here we go. And, and anybody else who's familiar with this information, here we go. Here's Jared Stepman. Uh, headline of his article, The Purge Has Begun. Where It Stops, Nobody Knows. <laughs> so he's calling it a purge. I'm calling it the punishment of the wicked. That's 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 what we're seeing. And let me tell you why I call it that, because what has begun as an attack on politically conservative thought Mm -hmm. does not stop there. Right. It does not stop there. So Jared Stepman says nobody knows. I kind of have an idea. (laughs) I kind of have an idea. In the week since the November presidential election, Jared Stepman writes, numerous liberals, leftists and other opponents of President Donald Trump have called for a purge of him and his supporters from public life. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you, and we're going to get here today in, in today's show. The church has been here before. Yeah. We should not be so quick to think, oh, that's not going to be. Uh, that's just people who are involved in politics. <laughs> oh, no. No, remember, because the crusade as part of this inverted kingdom is to punish the wicked. Brothers and sisters, you and I, according to them, are the wicked. (laughs) We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength. What are those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe (laughs) and deprive the innocent of his right. That's Isaiah chapter five, verses 20 
through 23, you see in an inverted kingdom, um, the righteous become the wicked. Mm -hmm. And so then the wicked become the righteous (laughs) and they get to freely express what has always been the hidden desire of their heart. They get to be God. Mm. And even exact wow. punishment upon those they say oh, wicked. are wicked. Mm-hmm. Think about it. it. It all really makes sense because they have been their own God. Right. And so they alone stand as the one who gets to mete out judgment. They get to punish the wicked and they even get to determine what is wicked. Mm. Right. The Bible says, woe to them. Let me tell you something. Body of Christ. Brace for impact. The church has been here before and we have survived it. This is not a new attack that the enemy has levied against the church. Mm -hmm. This is not new. Right. So we must brace for this impact and continue on for the glory of God, because the proliferation of the gospel is paramount. That's right. Right. This is this is what we have to keep doing. So that means we have to keep telling the truth, whether we're called wicked or not. We have to keep telling the truth about what God says about human sexuality Mm -hmm. and about humanity and about what is actually right and what is actually wrong. Now, listen, there are some this this is, you know, these these are the turbulent times that we're in that kind of make the hairs on the back of your neck kind of stand up a little bit. For many of us, the hairs are standing up because we're going, whoa, this is like this was this was prophesied. (laughs) For many of us, we're going, whoa, the, the Bible is the Bible is true. In part, we have prophecy that we might believe that the word of God is true. God has written this in telling you the end from the beginning so that when it happens, you will glorify him and say, yes, you are truly God. Cause no man can do it. Right. It's, this is not right. random chance and random guessing, right. right? This is God telling you what will happen. And it is also God preparing us for how to live and what will happen. Mm. Welcome back to Aaron, the Addison's on American family radio. I'm Miki. And I'm willingness. You are God alone by Darius James. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Before we went to the break, we were looking at Jared Stepman's article over at the Daily Signal where he's talking about a purge that has begun. But I really think that this portends something that is not just, um, you know, digital um, media attacks. This is not just uh, political conservatives. This is going to be every Bible believing Christian, every Bible believing Christian. Um, you will be um, the object of ire. You will you will be the wicked, actually. All right. And ultimately what happens is that you're going to have to be scrubbed from society. That's right. At this point, all of my church history, uh, <laughs> even my casual readers of church history um, should be saying, whoa, yeah, the church has gone through this before. And guess what? Look, she's still here. Yeah. And, and look, and, 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 and part of the, you are part of the evidence that the church is built to stand. Why do I say? Because the gospel got to you. Because mm-hmm. you know it. I mean, you think about it, it, <laughs> the gospel got to you and it didn't get to you from the apostles across centuries. And then, oh, whoa, rediscovered here. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Mm-mm. It was carried. That's right. It was carried. It wasn't in fact, a Hail Mary. It wasn't a Hail Mary pass. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It was it was a transmission from generation to generation. Right. So it was hand to hand. That's right. It was hand to hand. And and the gospel is most precarious in the handoff. How do we give it to the next generation? Do we give it to them intact? 
the one who's holding it? Are you wobbling with it? Are you vacillating back and forth? Are you determining, ah, you know, that's kind of antiquated. We'll just take that out and then leave this for the next generation. Right. You see, so, so we still have, we still have work to do mm-hmm. even while, even while the punishment quote unquote, right. While it begins, yeah. while it begins, we brace for impact back to this article. In the wake of the protests that turned into a mob and then into a riot at the U.S. Capitol building, various media and high tech companies have used the moment not simply to condemn the violence, but to remove the president of the United States and countless other Americans from their digital platforms. (laughs) That that is just the beginning. Okay. It's understandable that many Americans are shaken by what they saw at the Capitol last week. It's part of a larger pattern of mob law. But the crimes of a few lawbreakers should not be used as an excuse to punish uh and silence other Americans simply because of their political beliefs. (laughs) But it's not (laughs) just about political beliefs. Come on. There's an ultimate goal here. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This is this is just and, and this is what I have always said. This is what I've always said is that our culture will use Christians until they have no more use for them. They will use Christians until they have no more use for us. Right. And so all who have aligned with their agenda at some form and some type of representation, you, you will get, you will get to the point. See, because some Christians move the line, you keep moving the line for your own personal comfort, but you will get to a point where you just can't move the line and then you will be swallowed by the culture you have befriended. Mm-hmm. You will get to that point. And if you don't, then you will stand before the Lord God in judgment, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it will happen. It will happen because a culture that hates God has no genuine or pure love for a Christian who loves God. Come on. There's no way. So when you can align with witches. Come on. It's only a matter of time before they put a hex on you. Come on. So to speak. Back to the article. (laughs) Biden's allies are almost universally celebrating the purges and calling for more retributions. Oh, yes, they are. But for right now, as Stepman points out, he says against political enemies. Oh, but it's not going to stop there. Yep. Why? Because 2016 hashtag white evangelicals, Come evangelical on. church, conservative Christians, <laughs> all of those things put them in the pot because they have now become conservative political allies. Hence, the persecution of the church is ramped up. They have step by step stacked this up for their current attack. I see the deplorables are not just political. Oh, come on. That's that's what people thought. I was just talking about, you know, Republicans and conservatives, the deplorables, ultimately, (laughs) are the people of God. Come on. Come on. You thought you thought it was just a different basket that she was (laughs) talking about. You didn't realize. But here we are. Back to Stepman. That's apparently what the anti-Trump Lincoln Project uh, intends to do. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. The Lincoln Project intends to do, Mm -hmm. namely create a blacklist of people who worked for the Trump administration. This is what we call a revealing of the hand of the truly wicked to show you what they want to happen. And it begins with, again, political conservatives. It does not end there. Right now. Think about this. The hand is revealed and the hand shows, hey, Anyone who came in contact with these people, anyone who worked for these people, who were connected to these people, hey, they are unfit to make a living in this country. They're out. They're excluded. Right. 
at Project Lincoln, we are constructing a database of Trump officials and staff that will detail their roles in the Trump administration and track where they are now. Mm -hmm. No personal info, only professional, but they will be held accountable and not allowed to pretend they were not involved. Now, just just for people, okay, Project Lincoln is a Republican outfit that hates Trump. But they are saying that they are going to go after other Republicans who favored Trump and track them. Where are they now? It's like the Incredibles. They've all got, where are they now? You know, and, and, and they're going to keep the world up to date on where these people are so that they never work in this country again. Look at that. Now, I, look, <laughs> they, meanwhile, back to the article. Meanwhile, an editor at Forbes magazine, Randall Lane, warned that there would be a quote unquote truth reckoning. Mm. Do you under, man, I'm telling you, these people are masters at using spiritual terms that they frankly don't understand. <laughs> they don't know anything about what they're talking about, except that they have made themselves God. Right. And so they get to judge. And they and they also and they and they get to grab terminology from God. Right. There will be a truth reckoning, watch this, for companies that hire or do business with former Trump staffers. And there are Christians who will say, well, that's just politics. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would make us all safe. That would make us feel so much better if that were true. But that is not true. This is what we've been monitoring for a long time. The world does not love you. Come on. The world does not love you. The world did not love Jesus Christ. The world did not return the love that God <laughs> expressed in sending his own son. Mm -hmm. He was in the world. What did John tell us in John chapter one? The Bible tells us that he was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Did not know him. Come on. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And we think all of a sudden we're going to come along and we're going to repackage him so that, oh, suddenly now, oh, we get it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, well, why didn't you say so? Trump was banned on Twitter and Facebook and other platforms. Twitter's official statement cited, quote, risk of further incitement of violence, end quote, from Trump's tweets about not attending the Biden inauguration. <laughs> Apple announced that it would pull Parler. Man, poor Parler. Right. Poor right. Parler. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Let me in fact, let me switch now. I'm going to leave Stepman's article here. Let me go because, Will, you sent me this headline. Mm -hmm. I was reading this yesterday. And boy, I mean, I just, you know, uh, here we go. This is from the website Deadline. Parlor CEO says service dropped by every vendor and could end his business. Parlor CEO John Matsey said today that his social media company has been dropped by virtually all of its business alliances after Amazon, Apple, and Google ended their agreements with the social media service. Every vendor from text message services to email providers to our lawyers all ditched us too mm -hmm. on the same day. <laughs> Man. Now, 
Let me just continue on. (laughs) It is so important for us to understand that the squeeze on the church, again, is not new. In this inverted kingdom that we're living in right now, which is 21st century America, things have been flipped upside down. And there are people who hate God, have put themselves in the place of God, and they have determined who is righteous and who isn't. We know the truth. The word of God does not change. We must continue to go back to this. We must continue to rest on this. We must continue to rely on this, that the word of God does not change. Amen. But let me point this out to you. So I went back again. And for people who've listened to this show for a long time, this is going to just be a review. All right. How you doing? Okay. (laughs) But I went back to a presentation um, that I made. This was at our, this was at our first, this is at our first marriage family life conference. I want to say. And the title of the presentation was in the gates of hell shall not prevail. Mm. The gates of hell shall not prevail where I walk through church history, looking at how whenever the church was comfortable, that was the greatest threat to the gospel. Right. We look at external persecution. When I say external, I mean outside of the church. We look at external persecution as the worst thing that can happen to us. It's really not. It's really not because there is a refining that happens, right? There is something about the fire being turned up because you're not going to have just the casual associates anymore. Mm-hmm. The Lord is purifying his bride. The Lord is. So it's, it's not going to be like there's some people that it's the worst thing in the world to them to have their Twitter account closed. So they're, they're yeah. not, I mean, I can't go to distance. Ah, you want me to take it down? I'll take it down. Right. So so, you know, because there are so many of us like, I mean, listen, we 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 always thought we're like, man, I I would get in there with those lions. I'm I'm never going to deny the Lord. I'm I will not. And then they get blocked (laughs) on Facebook and they're like, ooh, (laughs) I'm a good person. As my family, I would never say anything to hurt anybody. Right. That's that's and and you're like, dude, that's not even a lion. That's a Zuckerberg. (laughs) So what's the great threat to the gospel? It's not external persecution. It's comfort. It's when anybody just, you know, can be in and and feel however they want, think however they want. It's, you know, they get to sit around and think about whether or not Jesus had an actual physical body. You know, that's those, those are the imminent threats to the gospel. That's what the Gnostics were engaged in. You understand? And, 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 you know, you have John who's combating this. You have the early church after Acts combating this. So let me read to you this from um, part of my presentation here. The gates of hell shall not prevail. From the very beginning of the establishment of the church, persecution caused the church to grow and spread exponentially. With sporadic and intermittent persecution, the church was established within two generations of the ascension of Christ. With sporadic and intermittent persecution... The church was established within two generations of the ascension of Christ. The years approximately 80, 90, or 95, and a very old apostle John has completed the last book of our Bible, the Revelation. This will be his final faithful work before he dies at a ripe old age. All of the other original disciples of Jesus are dead. They have all paid the ultimate price for their allegiance to Christ. They are martyrs. The church is ending or is nearing the end of her first century. As we enter the second century of the church, 100 AD, we are living after Acts and we'll pick up right here on the other side of the break. 
This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Be encouraged. We've been here before. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Mm. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you, brother, will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Mm. That's where the laurel is put on your head. <laughs> That's where your wreath of victory is, right? It is enduring to the end. It is making it to the end. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and I was triply with war. That warning given, given to the apostles, you know, and because everything in Scripture is written for our learning that we might even understand what the world will think of us as Christians, right? Yeah. Those of us who are going <laughs> to hold the baton, like we're not different, okay? Um, but you, you think about that and you think now it's easier to see how the divisions could exist, right? It's easier to see how children could turn their parents up or turn their parents over, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's easier to see. Gabby was reading something um, Monday, last week. No, no, Friday. She was reading something Friday and, um, and she came out of her room and she asked me a question. She's like, mama, she goes, what does it mean? Um, when Jesus says he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, <laughs> she goes, what does, what does it mean that mother would be against daughter and mother-in-law? She's asking me these questions and I'm, I'm telling her that the gospel divides, Yeah, the gospel yeah. divides. And we had a great conversation as a result of that. Listen, the scriptures, the word of God, we are not left to call audible. God has told us what we need to know and how we are to operate. Getting back to this presentation, which, by the way, will inform me during the break. Thanks to my sister, Ebony. She said that was the second Marriage Family Life Conference. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. So this was the second Marriage Family Life Conference. The presentation was in the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm talking about the fact that we have been here before this, quote unquote, punishing of the wicked. Where wicked men set themselves up as a God of sorts. And they're operating in various capacities, right? And they, de- they determine who is righteous and who is not. And based on that determination, they will punish who they see as unrighteous. But remember, we're talking about this inverted kingdom. This, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a poorly done replica of the kingdom of God, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's inverted. It is not the kingdom of God. But you understand what I'm saying. If not, go back and listen to the first segment. And, and so what we see now is that in this inverted kingdom, You have to have Lord. You have to have a ruler. And so the wicked stand in that place and they mete out judgment. 
they determine who should be punished. Started off by reminding you of Tim Gill hmm. in 2017. You know, when he was hobnobbing and elbow rubbing with then Vice President Joe Biden in 2016, yeah. decided we got to have to punish, have to punish the wicked. This is just interesting, you know, <laughs> where we are. Man. So getting back to this, because I really want to make sure that we include this information. It's so encouraging. This is meant to encourage us. It's like, you know, um, when we read the book of the Revelation, like J.D. is reading through the Bible, he said he's nervous to get to, to, to Revelation because he's like, it's kind of scary. It's like, man, but there's a blessing in it. Amen. There's a blessing in it, you know? I mean, yeah, they're, 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 even the things that we read about our church history and how the church had to come, like the path that yeah. the church had to walk, it's kind of frightening when you think yeah. about it, but there's a blessing in it. Because what you see is that with great assurance, man, you have, you have a faith that can stand up. You have a faith that works in every single context. Amen. All right. Um. I'll just start here. I'll just start here. Uh, the year is approximately AD 90 or 95 and a very old apostle John has completed his, his last book in the Bible, the revelation. Uh, this will be the final faithful work before he dies at a ripe old age. All of the other original disciples of Jesus are dead. They have all paid the ultimate price for their allegiance to Christ. They are martyrs. The church is nearing the end of her first century. As we enter the second century of the church, 100 AD, we're living after acts. All right. We're living after acts. The church is operating without the oversight and direction of the immediate followers of Christ and persecution has yet to reach its zenith. Even still, the church is experiencing the routine loss of life as Christians refuse to worship Rome's emperors declaring Caesar is Lord. They refuse to worship the emperors who are declaring that Caesar is Lord. All right. The church is saying, I'm out. I'm not doing it. Before the fiercest persecution the church had known, imperial persecution, the church wasn't living in ease. Even before, like, you get to the height of it, mm -hmm. the church didn't have an easy existence. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could, you could look at our brother Stephen would tell you, yeah, no, it, it's, it's never been <laughs> right. easy. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Come on. Right? And yet, the emperor Trajan, who was considered one of the five good emperors, received a report on the growth of the church. And, and I'm setting this all up. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand that whatever the conditions that the church has existed in, she has always advanced, right? So one of the good emperors receives a report on the growth of Christianity throughout the empire. This is about 112 AD. <laughs> and here's the report, quote, in the provinces of Asia Minor, Bordering on the Black Sea, the temple of the gods, lowercase g, were almost forsaken and the Christians were everywhere a multitude, end mm. quote. That's the report that he got. <laughs> Christians numbered in the millions. About 112 A.D. As the church nears the end of the third century and is headed into the fourth, persecution of the church is no longer localized and sporadic. It is now empire wide and systematic. All right. What's the goal? The elimination of all believers. The persecution has as its goal the elimination of all believers. <laughs> Not the elimination of Trump Republicans. Please just remember that. Okay. It's the elimination of all believers. But why? Why? Church history tells us why. There are several reasons. Number one, they didn't claim Caesar as God. So these people who have inverted the kingdom and set themselves up as God, if you don't say that they are God, that they get to call the shots, you understand, then you put yourself in the same category as the early church who said, no, Caesar is not God. 
Mm. Number two, they didn't worship multiple gods like the Romans, so they were called intolerant. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, they didn't worship multiple gods, and this is number three, they didn't worship idols, so they were actually seen as atheists. (laughs) The early church. Isn't that interesting? So they didn't worship multiple gods like the Romans did. So they were called intolerant. Like, and and remember (laughs) the great press on the church at this time was not to get rid of Jesus. It was just to put Caesar next to him. Mm. Like it's not to get rid of Jesus. You can see because they, they worshiped multiple gods. So it's okay. But you just have to also acknowledge that Caesar is also God. And the church was like, no, we're not going to do it. That's the same temptation that we face today, right? It's not that you can't have Jesus. You just can't say that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> now, Jesus could be a Messiah. This is what we were teaching the kids on Sunday. Jesus, you know, Jesus could be, you know, a Messiah, <laughs> a leader, all right, a Lord. But he can't be the Messiah. He could be, he could be a Christ, a type of deliverer for people who are just into that thing, but he can't be the Christ, the deliverer, the one that we've been waiting for. That's, that's what our culture says today. Mm -hmm. So when there are any manifestations of that, that's got to be snuffed out of the culture. It's got to be destroyed. Number four, because they wouldn't participate in the collective worship of idols, they were perceived as haters of their fellow man. Now, I just want I just want just pause for dramatic effect so that you can think about that. The early church under Roman rule was described as haters. Hmm. <laughs> but look, it's like there's there's it's almost like there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Number five, the early church had these, quote unquote, secret meetings. They <laughs> met before sunrise or they met late at night. Mm-hmm. So they were accused of being exclusive. Now, listen, it's amazing to me that, and I'm getting ahead of this because I I know we're going to run out of time today. It's interesting to me that as I survey church history, what I see is that the greatest persecution is suffered by the greatest, or let me say it this way, the greatest persecution is endured by the most authentic Christians. Mm. Those are wow. the ones who yeah. get it the worst. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Like the, you know, if because it, it's amazing because we live in a time where authenticity is so valued and it's so exalted. It's like, I want to live my authentic self. And the Christian's like, me too. <laughs> Yo, no, over here. That's not allowed. You, they're like, no, no, no. But your authentic self is disgusting. We don't like your authentic self. Mm-hmm. So then don't, call, don't cry out for authenticity because you don't really mean that. You don't really want people to live their authentic, true selves. You just want to practice wickedness and have everybody agree to it. So you call it authenticity. Yikes. Do you understand where we are in 21st century America? That a man can say he is a woman and everyone must respect that. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't agree, you can't say anything else. And you better use my pronouns. But a Christian says that Jesus is the Christ, that the Lord God has set standards, that the Lord God has made them male and female. And it's like, oh, off with their heads. This is, we can't tolerate this. And then the Christian cries out and says, hey, wait, hold on. You guys, you guys, you guys say tolerance. 
And said, no, 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 no. We just said that to get you on our side. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we have all we need. So we don't need that any, anymore. Like we don't have to tolerate anything anymore. Now we've moved to the next phase, which is punishment. Thank you for your tolerance. It's outdated. Now it's just punishment. Number six, the early church was accused of being nasty levelers. Social order was important to Roman culture, but something terrible happened when pagans converted to Christianity. They adopted a biblical view of humanity. As a result, there was equality in the church. And this was not an equality that ignored who people were or an equality that created androids. No, this early church equality positioned Jesus preeminently. Mm-hmm. Therefore, members were of every class from the noblest in rank down to the slaves who throughout the empire outnumbered the free population. So many people have a problem when they read the Bible and they're like, why is the Bible always talking about slaves? They were everywhere. (laughs) So why would the scriptures ignore that? And people just breeze right past that. And they're like, they go right to America as if America from the beginning until now has existed. Come on now. That's ridiculous. So here you have the church advancing where you got more slaves than nobles. So, of course, the church is going to address that because the church, because the the scriptures have to lay down parameters for how these people are to operate in the church. You dare not look at your brother as a slave when you're talking about the things of God. His state may be a slave out there, but in here, if the Lord calls him to be a bishop, if the Holy Spirit says set apart for me, then you better do it. (laughs) And we have lost that. Mm. We have given it up. And you got people talking about, oh, we need to have a separate meeting for the blacks because we don't want to trigger them. Oh, 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 (laughs) man. Guys, I cannot express on radio how that really makes me feel because I know that it would offend some people. Okay, I'm just going to risk it. It really makes me sick. Mm. It makes me it makes me sick. And I know if you're familiar with the story and who you're talking about, you know, I know we all have our favorites and people are like, oh, don't talk about my so and so like that. Don't call him like, don't call him out. We really like him. Look, if, if, you, if you are operating antithetical to the faith, man, look, and, and then you've, you've got a platform, you've got people following after you. If you're normalizing mediocrity as it pertains to the word of God, you make me sick. Now, that's not the same thing for people who are striving after the Lord, who are trying to know the Lord. All of us, we may be stumbling in many ways. We're like, oh, man, okay, Lord, okay, I got to get that right. But for people who are in these positions where, come on, man, it's sickening. And the body of Christ has not been readied for the impact. Mm. We've not been prepared for this. And I'm not talking about because the scriptures haven't done their, their job, their work. I'm talking about because those who stand up in pulpits all across this country have followed sort of the, you know, the common teaching of the day that is, you know, it's we're, we're, we're all right. Come on. Guys, we're not all right. We have an opportunity. I'll wrap up with this. And I didn't get through much of what I highlighted to, to recap <laughs> on that presentation. Let me tell you something. We have an opportunity to live out a peculiar life. It's the type of life that the Apostle Peter outlined right before he said, be ready to give a reason for the hope. The Apostle Peter anticipated if you live this life, if you're doing everything that is counter to the culture around you, people are going to look at you and they're going to ask the question why. And then he says, be ready to give a reason. 
Guys, now, more than any time before in America, as a Christian, be ready to give a reason Amen. because you have the opportunity to be glaringly countercultural. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.